talk to Stan Klein, uh, a wearer of many hats, uh, the proprietor of Firecat Projects, uh, an artist, and uh, the possessor of uh, several useful, to him, alter egos. Stan and I always have good talks, and this one was no exception. I'm not an amateur at this. I, I'm, I'm, I'm gently leading you towards, towards the topic of the conversation, which is, I guess, broadly speaking, people in the know. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's why we're here. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about people in the know on a show called Who You Know. Oh, there you that, go. That's the podcast. Is and what Who you know, know, huh? Yeah. What do you know? There was that James Cagney uh, movie. I forgot which one it was, but it's one of his earlier ones. And his opening line was always when he meets people. Hey, what do you know? Who you know? Mm. Who you know? What do you, what do you, what do you know? What do you say? Yeah. What do you know? What do you say? And uh, when I moved to Chicago, yeah. this is early on. But did you first move to Chicago in the 70s? Or? Yeah, 76. Mm -hmm. uh, so no, take that back, 78. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, my parents were very religious. And so my dad said, oh, I talked to the rabbi. And he said he had a close friend that he went to rabbinic school that runs the synagogue on the north side by where you are. Yeah. And so, okay. He said, Said you should go meet him. He'll send him a note that you might yeah. come in. Okay. <laughs> so I figure, and the guy that was the rabbi that I knew, yeah, he was my dad's age, and he yeah. had fought in the '48 war. He was friends Ooh. with Arnold Newman, the photographer, because oh, yeah. they had fought together. Oh, really? And oh. so, and his wife was really involved in the arts yeah and she was the arts commentator on tv kind of oh, like yeah. hetty weiss oh yeah and and actually hetty weiss is friends with this woman and so i thought okay let's see what these guys like so i went to the service and he's really short and he's got kind of that james cagney swagger yeah so i kind of expected him to like go Hey, what do you know? What do you say? Well, he's on that's the pulpit, you that's know. That's not what he said, though. Huh? <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of like his sort of <laughs> swagger, and you just don't see that in rabbis. I mean, it's kind of like a priest that's doing it or something. Yeah. Okay, Jack, you've done your barking thing. No more barking, okay? Jack, are you against the Jews? Is it, is it because no, you're talking no, it's, about rabbis? He gets to look out the window and bark at the world. That's yeah. that's, that's Jack's thing. Yeah. You know, damn this world, I hate it. You know, and uh, he's not picky about religions or no, 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 ethnicities no. or anything. No, he doesn't care. But, <laughs> yeah, when I moved here, four of my friends from. Carnegie Mellon moved. Do you all moved from Pittsburgh here? Yeah, well, four of them moved, and my friend Jim Julian and I did not have enough money to move here. Mm -hmm. And we were, I was seriously broke, and I think I had like $200. Yeah. And uh, 
My parents were very nice about it, and they, yeah. you know, I had a car, a yeah. Valiant, mm -hmm. and Jim said, well, I'm from Indiana, it's it, Indianapolis, it's kind of close, Yeah. let's move there. Uh, I said, well, where are we going to stay? And he yeah. said, stay in my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And so I met his parents, and they had known me, I had friends with Jim yeah. for all four years, Yeah. and... They said, well, we got a space in the laundry room so we can put a cot up in there for you in the basement. I mm. said, okay, great. And she's, mom was like, no, we got to work out how you're going to pay for your rent because mm -hmm. you don't have a job yet. Yeah. No, I don't. Jim says you're good with wood. I said, yeah. You know, that's one of the things I'm good at. Mm -hmm. And he, she said, well, could you refinish our dining room set? Uh, okay. <laughs> so I refinished their dining room set. And then they said, well, the house needs painting. <laughs> so Jim and I painted the house. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I got a job as a, in a frame shop mm. and got enough rent money to... In Indianapolis. A, in oh. Indianapolis. And so I learned... I knew some of it, but I actually worked for somebody that knew it, was very skilled at it yeah. and learned carving and leaving, leafing. Mm -hmm. And that was like the final put together of picture framing for yeah. me. And I did that for two years and then moved to Chicago. So this was in 76 to 78. So I moved here in 78. And did you always intend to open a frame shop? Was that the idea? I, I intended to work at one. Oh, you did. So I worked at one in the loop. Oh, okay. And it was at the corner of Randolph and Wabash, hmm. and where Roosevelt College hmm. used to be. And it was yeah. called Artist Supply. And they supplied everyone with all the letter set and paint boards. Was and that... Was that the where Flax was? Well, f weren't they over there? Was Flax the was further down. This was right on the corner there where the L turns. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a store. I vaguely how late did that store stayed open into the nineties, right? Yeah. I I, so, I remember that. I thought maybe Flax took it over. Or something. Yeah, Flax might have taken it over. Because I think Flax was over there. Yeah. It was, so it was an art supply well, store, but yeah. also a frame shop. Yeah. yeah. And. Uh, they had every kind of lecture set boards, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And they supplied all the advertising companies. Right, because, Leo was, Burnett because design was still done, be be done by hand that computers way. Computers killed all that. Yeah, yeah. I was in school with people that, grown-ups, that had lost their jobs. Because it just as evaporated. Because, yeah, once computers came yeah. in, all those people were out. So, it was... It was all by accounts, really, yeah. and um, it was a strange, strange place. It was a weird opening to Chicago to me yeah. because yeah. I was living in a uh, studio. Uh, Where at? Uh, Damon, uh, no, uh, Webster, and just off of Halstead, Dayton. Okay. Yeah. And uh, it had two windows, one room, 
a sort of little bathroom, and that was it. And the two windows looked on a brick wall. Mm -hmm. so, you know, so I put the yeah. car mirror so I could aim it up to see what the sky looked like. <laughs> and um, you know who lived around, near there is uh, Henry Darger. Oh yeah, he it's lived. Very, it was very close to there. I ended the house, up like when that. Yeah, near, he like, lived on Webster. Serial killer looking attic. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He was on. He was on. That's what and, made and Ironically. Years later, when I had the frame shop, they were the ones that came to us to start framing oh, the, the, couple, the couple that owned the house. Yeah, yeah. The the photographer and his wife was yeah. a pianist. Yeah, she was Japanese. I yeah, think. yeah. She was starting to bring all the work yeah. to us to get yeah. framed. Mm -hmm. And I'm like going, I know where that house is. <laughs> right. But, so you were living up there, and you were going downtown to work at the. You were working in the framing part. Yeah, the in the basement. Not not in the art. art yeah, art there, I, there was a guy up front that would yeah. take the frame yeah. orders. Yeah. And then I was in the basement with the two guys that did all the lugging of everything. You well, know, yeah, Flax is still down there. Brian, wow. Brian, Brian that guy, yeah. part of that family. Yeah, yeah. I used to take stuff to him. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a character. Well, these guys on the main selling floor. Mm-hmm. Oh, alcoholics. Mm, oh, I mean, really? serious alcoholics. Mm. And uh, including the owner who was there. Mm. His name was, si uh, last name was Simon. And they would send the delivery kids who would deliver mm -hmm. supplies and shit yeah. to ad agencies by foot. Yeah. Because uh, well, they were right nearby. there. Yeah, the ad agencies were right there. And so they would go to. It was called Bonaparte's. It was a little on Wacker, a bar. And they would get those trays with the styrofoam cups. Mm -hmm. And you think it's coffee, yeah. but it's all doubles with ice. Yeah, yeah. And they would just get schnockered. By There's it. some really cool old school like diner restaurants with bars around there that are all gone. Like, yeah, there was so on, many on, of on them. Lake Street, just yeah. off, I think it was Lake Street, just off Michigan. I think it was called like old timers or newsmakers or something yeah. like, and it was just like a Greek diner, but it also obviously yeah. had a bar for the right, right. For the office people that needed to like. They really drink did their lunch. service yeah. all those, yeah. and the the guys that I worked with in the basement, one they were both alcoholics as well, but one of them was from Louisiana, and he knew how to cook, mm. so he would cook us lunch. Yeah, down in, on a hot plate. Oh, really? The whole oh, thing. He'd there? buy oh, chicken. Oh, wow. He'd wow. prepare the chicken. The whole thing, <laughs> and uh, really great food. Yeah. But by the end of the day, he was totally wasted. Right. And uh, the guy that I worked with, that did took in the framing orders, was from the South Side, and he was so out of it. That by the end he was like this, yeah. you know, and and I'd say, well, you know, he'd come down to check on me, and I say, well, I got all this stuff set up, I got it all going mm -hmm. here, and he'd go, big fucking deal, you know. It's like, <laughs> okay, thank you, <laughs> and it turned out the guy that I replaced mm -hmm. had been dealing drugs out of the place. Huh? So 
the guy I worked for in the framing department, the bookkeeper and the owner were the only Caucasians mm -hmm. in the place. Every, and so one day somebody came down into the basement area because mm -hmm. it had access from the li lobby mm -hmm. and they came in to rob us because mm -hmm. evidently the guy I replaced owed money mm -hmm. on drugs. Mm -hmm. Well, they had guns on us and mm -hmm. they took us into the bathroom. First of all, it's like white kid, where's the yeah. money? Uh, yeah. It's like, I'm the wrong white kid, yeah. you know? Right. So they had us take off our shoes, mm. take out our pockets, went through everything. Oh, there's not enough money here. You know, it's like, well, what are you going to do? That's all yeah. I got, you know? Yeah. And so they laid us down in the bathroom and put guns to our heads. So mm. What are you going to do? You got to find us more money. Where is it hidden? I'm like, yeah. it ain't hidden, you know? Yeah. And finally they let us go. And so then we, they locked us in the bathroom yeah. and uh, Willie Paul kicked the door open and uh, the other guy who was the alcoholic that I worked with, his name was Cecil, mm -hmm. but he insisted on me calling CC after my favorite drink. Mm -hmm. So you sort of knew where I was working. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Willie Paul was huge and he just knocked the door down and we called upstairs and said, we've just been robbed. And they went, they laughed and yeah. hung up. Huh. No, no, we really were just robbed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nice. So it was just a bizarre place. How long were you there? I was working there and I was working at Volume 4 Bookstore on Clark. Where was Volume 4? Clark and Fullerton, just this oh. side of Fullerton. Oh, okay. And uh, it was part of the volume chain. There's a volume 1, 2, and 3, yeah. and 4 by Kenny Lieberman, who was, he would buy old bookstores, use their credit rating to buy new books, uh, and then sell the old books and the new books sure. until he depleted their credit rating, and then try and buy another one. So he was a huckster. He was total huckster. Yeah. fraud. Yeah. We'd have to pay ourselves out of the right. till. Yeah. And so I was working there at night and the uh, frame place in the day. I did that for about two years. Yeah. And then... Uh, were you making art at that time? Yeah. Were you yeah. Were you? Oh, I had a, yeah. had a yeah. studio apartment. Yeah. It was like perfect yeah. for me. What kind of stuff were you making back then? I was doing drawings. Uh, pretty... A lot of detail in my drawings. Yeah. You know, uh, I think... What were they of? They were just... Um, uh, the best... The only one I have sitting right here. I made this... I'll bring it to you. Okay. This was a valentine that I made for a friend of mine. Obviously, she didn't accept it well, so... <laughs> oh, yeah. So, it was that kind of drawing, sort of goofy. And 
But it's totally related to what you're still doing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. It's totally okay. what I was. So you just you, you had your thing down already. Oh okay. yeah, yeah. I that's, knew. That's cool. Uh, there was one big drawing that I did called um, "They All Live Alone" and stuff <laughs> like that. So it was that sort of realm of work. Oh, you know what? They, they always have the the kind of noir titles. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. I didn't. I never stretched far from yeah. that. So hold on here. Yeah. That's cool. I found some old photos the other day some of my earlier work that I was doing back then. This one was called, it's kind of dark in here. That's okay. I just need my glasses for Okay, let me turn this light on. Okay. Maybe that'll help. It's all right. This one's called Gaper's Holiday. The good thing is the listeners won't know the difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's for everybody. And this one was we called. turned the light on so I could see much better now. Watch out, Jack. That's Gaper's Holiday. It's a guy standing at the highway watching cars go by <laughs> instead of looking at the beach. Yeah. This one was called, it was a flip side. It was on wheels. Oh, yeah. One side was Today's Friend. The other side was Tomorrow's Invader. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, sunny. So, <laughs> so you had a real sunny outlook on life. Yeah. That one was uh, Superstars and Shopping Carts. <laughs> so, but it was kind of in that realm of work. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, then, you have this thing you always do where you elongate the bridge of the nose. That's yeah, like the face thing. is you, elongated. Yeah, and you always I do this. <laughs> always had trouble with corners. Oh, yeah. I didn't like going to a, a 90 degree oh, edge. So you, you, you yeah, it just, it, it up, didn't yeah. make yeah. sense to me and it seemed to. Too, cut, harsh, too harsh, too harsh, too fine. Yeah, cut the vision off. You know, it, it was like your eye fell off the page then, and I didn't like that. I like the eye staying on the page. So everything's kind of vignetted. Yeah, you yeah, want yeah. To stay in, in the it's kind of like doing this or yeah. something, you know. And, <laughs> you know, and you always see those yeah. things about artists cupping their hands like that. Yeah. I thought that's a good way of looking at work. Yeah. And, and did you have places that you could just show them, or no? Were you Yeah. Um, so, eventually a friend of mine started working at a frame shop. Mm -hmm. And she said, oh, i got this friend that can help us. And so, mm -hmm. I decided to leave the alcoholic world. Mm -hmm. And uh, Were you work... participating in the alcoholism at all, or no? Or were you no. abstaining? Uh, pretty much abstaining. Yeah. You know, I... Okay. And... Uh, <laughs> They, uh, I went to work for this shop and he had opened the shop, the owner, and had decided he had been Mr. Gay Chicago like two years in a row. Wow. And he had decided. So he was a good looking guy then? If he was Mr. Gay Chicago, yeah. I assume. And got so it for his looks. Came from a little bit of family money. Uh -huh. and, and he decided, so my friend and I worked there. And basically, we ended up working there pretty much ourselves. And this is up on Clark now already? Or that we're this is Clark, 2931. Uh, we were across the street from okay. where I eventually moved to 
It was next to a barber shop. The barber shop is still there. Mm. And um, near near what was uh, Wellington. From Bookman's uh, Corner, which that guy just yeah. died. Right. We were on the same block yeah. as yeah, him, yeah, but on yeah, the other end. Yeah. And so uh, he decided he wanted to pursue the life of a... There's a word for this. Um, I don't know. A, uh, a man on call, you know. Um, a gigolo? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a, no, a well, that movie man. had come out. He was oh, American Gigolo. Yeah. He was like, I could do he this. Wants a, he wants to be a kept man. Yeah, he wanted like to be a, a, kept, like a kept man. Woman, and yeah. he was going out to L.A. all the time. He had clients. And, mm. and so... He kind of had a odd attitude, and he just said, "Why don't you guys just buy shares in the company and own part?" Of had the he company? ever worked at the frame shop? Himself? Yeah, he had he started, started, it, started it, so he knew about it. What was he, it called? Uh, Mansfield Picture Framing. Mansfield, because his last name was Mansfield. Okay, and so uh, so we became three partners. That's that's a good last name for a Mr. Gay Chicago. Yeah, totally. That's pretty appropriate. Yeah. So he, it was already. It was a legitimate to, name. But what's his name? Yeah, no, but like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so uh, <laughs> so we took it. You know, we bought into it. I figured I, I had my friend as, so we were two thirds. He uh -huh. couldn't go crazy on us. Yeah, and uh, we made it actually turn a profit, yeah. which was kind of weird. And then eventually he got caught up in the lifestyle and just was like, why don't you guys buy me out? Uh -huh. So we ended up buying the shop for $6,000 total. Wow. You know, and what, what year is this now we're talking about? 81, 82. Okay. Yeah, pretty and, quickly. Uh, so then we moved it across the street to 2950, which is now a nail shop but the that's carpet the corner shop. right yeah. no not, not quite it's not a quite few down okay. and there's a carpet shop it's okay. still there all right and we were next to the carpet shop mm. and uh the two of us made the shop work yeah. and it was a neighborhood shop i started buying old paper and framing up old paper and collecting mm. it yeah and uh it was terrible economic times yeah. You know, it's that Carter yeah. thing and all that. But we made it work. And oh, we didn't charge a lot. I didn't do much leafing or carving because yeah. people couldn't afford that shit. Yeah. And um, she was married to, I had gone to school with her. Mm. And she married a childhood friend who had moved to Chicago. And he did in the reader, Adventures of Huge Mouth, a cartoon, hmm. and uh, that was like an ongoing running cartoon, hmm. kind of like the Phoebe and the Pigeon People, hmm. who actually, the guy who illustrated it, worked with me at Volume Four. Oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, Gary Whitney. So it was like one of these small world things, yes. and. Um, so eventually we ran it, and he got somehow hooked up with the owner of Nickelodeon. Mm -hmm. And that guy offered Peter a TV show. Oh, yeah. 
and Peter decided to take him up on it and they wanted to move to LA so I bought her out and they moved to LA mm. and two of my other friends from school mm -hmm. had married and he was a very good uh, artist mm -hmm. and Peter the huge mouth guy took uh, Kit with him to be the background artist mm. and so they did cat dog for cat. Nickelodeon. I don't know that one. It's a half dog half cat cartoon oh my God. and so later it turned out the first director of the show mm -hmm. for the first year was the guy who created Spongebob. Oh really? So he worked with them for a year and the thing they realized was these guys were 28 at the mm -hmm. time. Yeah. They moved out there to LA to the cartoon world and those cartoon guys were like 21, yeah. 22, and yeah. been doing it their whole life, yeah. just cartoons. Yeah. So who are these old farts coming here? Right. And they don't know anything about it, and they might be good artists, but they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And uh, so the show ran like three years, huh. and then it ended. And Kit had become friends with the SpongeBob guy. Mm -hmm. So he took him on. And he was the artist for Spongebob mm. when it first started. He did the backgrounds, and he did it for the entire run of the show. That's cool. 22 years. Huh. And so he did all the movies, Spongebob movies. Yeah. He did Powerpuff Girls. Mm -hmm. He did. But he was great, because I'd come out and visit him. He'd take me to yeah. Cartoon... What was it called? Cartoon... Something. Another network, Cartoon, net Network? Cartoon Network. Yeah, because he was doing freelance yeah. for yeah. them, and then he was doing um, Nickelodeon <laughs> as well. Yeah. And uh, so I got to see all how they do the work. Yeah. Cartoon Network was the last one not to go computer. Mm. Yeah. And uh, so he just retired actually. Mm. And so um, anyhow, they left. And so I was running the shop by myself and living above it. Yeah. By then I had Jack, calm down. I had married by then. Mm -hmm. And uh, I bought a building that we have now on Damon while mm -hmm. I was there, yeah. thinking we would move there. Yeah. And the neighborhood was too dicey. Jack, too dicey to move the shop to. Yeah until 85 mm. and that's when we moved the shop there yeah and by then I had already met Jim and Betty Jim had run Armin Lee he was the manager of Armin Lee and his wife Betty had grown up in Uframe at shops and that's how they mm. met yeah and so they were very experienced framers they had done a private company out of their house. Oh, okay. So we merged. Oh, I see. And my whole idea was my, my wife wanted to have a kid. I wanted to keep drawing. Yeah. And I was doing everything. And yeah. I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And uh, 
So we moved it there, we merged, yeah. and I could go back to drawing. And yeah. that's when I was in the vicinity show. Uh, they used to have a vicinity show at um, the museum. Right, yeah. So I was in that for two years. Oh, that's cool. Still, still in the 80s? or Yeah, yeah. early, early 80s. Yeah, I, I don't think they had them by the time I got here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got here in 90s. It was actually a really great thing yeah. that they did. Yeah. Because it was their sort of, they were under a lot of criticism of not dealing with the local right. art scene. Was that where you met Pascal or no? Had you met him before? I had met him before because... Two of my friends from Pittsburgh came here when I was in Indianapolis and went to the Art Institute for oh. graduate degrees. Oh, okay. So they met Bill Cass and right. Pascal through getting their graduate degrees, and that's how I met them. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Bill actually came to work at the shop at one point. Mm. Like, he was okay, but yeah. I was like, oh, okay, I don't know, Bella, this isn't really your world. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, so, uh, it, through the vicinity show, a woman named Joanne Dobrik had a gallery on Ontario, mm. and she asked me to show with her, and it was a successful show, and that did really well. But I was not, I was too tied to the frame shop. Oh, yeah. To meet their demands. You know, she would call me up, I'd go, I needed to do a drawing for over a couch, it has to be in blue. Oh, wow. I'm oh, so like, she was like, commission, she had. Yeah, had and I'm like, stuff. what's it about? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure what they want yet. Yeah. I was like, how, yeah. when do they want it? Oh, three weeks. I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> so I realized at that point I wasn't that kind of artist mm -hmm. that could just sit in a studio and wait to sell work or mm -hmm. crap. And I didn't, through the frame shop, I had started. Jesus, I'd, I'd love to have a gallerist call me up and tell me to do a blue drawing for something. Yes. I, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you, well, you can see how the drawings were. Yeah. I was taking my time. I was like, really? Yeah. That would be a tight, it would fit only over a very tiny couch. Yeah. Or, or like. Well, and then, but no, I did get through the frame shop. Mm -hmm. One of my clients was a, name, a woman named Suzanne Pertle. And she was the curator of the McDonald's collection. Mm. And she saw my work and she was like going, I'm commissioning you to do three drawings. You have a year to do them. Oh, wow. And I said, well, what do you want them on? Yeah. She said, come out to McDonald's in Oak Brook. We'll walk you through the campus. I'll give you some material. You don't have to include McDonald's in it, but... So it didn't have to be a portrait of the Hamburglar? No, 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 no. Okay. So, but, you know, something yeah, about yeah, yeah. street life. No. You know, urban Brook, life. Brook, or... Yeah, this is in Oak Brook. Yeah, I remember, I, when I was a cab driver, I would drive periodically yeah. to the fairs to the... Yeah. Yeah. And when so I did a really yeah. large drawing of the city at night. Mm -hmm. It was like... 68 by 38 
Wow, that's, that's really big for you. Yeah, so it was a really big drawing. And it, was it, was this, all, it was all colored pencils? All colored pencils, wow. city at night. So it must have taken you a long time. That one took me a while. Yeah. And the other one I did was called 100 Mugs. And it was 100 portraits kind of glommed yeah. together yeah. in one. And then I did one called... Uh, what was it? Oh, it was some street thing at night, you know, and uh, she loved them all. And she that was, and you are, it was already Vito DeSalvo? Oh, I was Vito oh, DeSalvo. You were Vito in school, right? I was Vito in school, so okay. this was all this Vito already, DeSalvo. It's always Vito's work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and I had been in the May show in Cleveland twice, and that was kind of like the vicinity show. Oh, okay. But for Cleveland native yeah. artists. Yeah. Because no artist really stays. Was that at the museum too? Or yeah, at, at the museum. museum. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so th there were some s encouragements to keep yeah. it going. It just, I had these sort of pre-existing obstacles that demanded time. Yeah. Which also paid bills, which yeah. was nice too. And so... Uh, Why is the shop called MCM? So it kept the Mansfield. That's oh, the first down. Oh, I see. Jim's name is Callahan, so oh. that was the C, and his wife Betty was Melville, so it was oh. MCM. Oh, okay. And uh, and they were great. They were really great. Our partnership was perfect. Yeah. And it did free me up. Yeah. You know, and uh, I was creating a lot of drawings, which was nice, but again. Was it really showing too much? I showed with our friend in uh, Michigan, uh, Judith. <laughs> our friend. Yeah. <laughs> Judith may have been your friend. Yeah. So uh, I. Judith, Judith Rock, yeah. Yeah, I had like two <laughs> shows, three shows out there. Yeah. And they, they all sold really well. And, um, yeah, my shows with her sold well too, but like in her Chicago gallery that she was never at, and that she kind of, yeah, had that half sort of was she like half a, the whole time. That was a know? dead end. Yeah. And my pieces were more like this. Yeah. They were more interactive work, yeah. which she kind of liked. Yeah, and she was into like, you know, whatever outsider art. And yeah, like, and again, and stuff. I never put myself in that idea. Yeah. The, the whole outsider thing, because I'm getting some flack from some guy in Indiana that, like... Oh, really? I'm some outsider pretend to be. Oh. And I'm like, what is that? I said, this is the best I can draw. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, there isn't any yeah. better drawing that I can do. Yeah, I don't think you ever... It doesn't say anywhere that you're, you're an outsider. Yeah, artist. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in his mind, it's like... You're an artist trained pretending to be an outsider. Mm. And yeah. I'm like, I'm not pretending anything. I can't draw. <laughs> I can't paint, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, Do you ever try painting in, in, when you were in school? Or, or did you... When I was in it? high school. Oh, and then you gave it up. You just was not... Knew it was nowhere. It's a, it's a very different thing. And so my whole portfolio for uh, college was drawings. Yeah. And the guy that interviewed me at mm -hmm. Carnegie Mellon 
he just passed away and they're doing a retrospective of his work. Yeah. I think I told you I'm trying to get maybe that show here. Yeah, well, it's, remind me, what, what, was, what was his? Bruce Breland. Okay. And he was kind of part of the happenings, and then right. he became part of the male arts. And, yeah, right. You know, through the Postal Service. So he was kind of this, yeah. he was into politics of the arts, and yeah. he liked people with a point of view more than he did. Yeah, wacky, wacky kind of funny art. And at that time, in art schools, there was this sort of division of, People going to school, this is like the mid-70s, mm -hmm. going to school, teach me to draw well and paint well yeah. so I could get a job illustrating somewhere. Yeah. I want to learn a vocation sure. that yeah. I can sell. And then there were the, the rest of us that were just, just let me express myself, figure yeah. out what I want yeah. to do as an yeah. artist. And... So the teachers were all over the place. Mm -hmm. So you had somebody like Bruce Breland who could sit with you in a coffee shop for four hours yeah. and you come away with some ideas, but you never learned a skill, you right. know? Got it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then I'd have other artists that would tell you to go lay on the floor and think about the color blue. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and then I'd have other ones that would try and teach you some technical skill and uh i was broke yeah and so i couldn't afford a camera but i took photography because i had to mm. and all i did was make stuff up from the negatives on the floor yeah you know and color paint with the with the developer mm. and uh stuff like that and so i i made my way through it the first couple years I did crayon drawings, mm -hmm. and uh, the first show that I had there, they had a rule that freshmen couldn't show work. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, what the fuck's that all about? Yeah. So I took all my drawings and pinned them in the elevator and took out those little snack cereal boxes. Mm -hmm and pinned them along the wall. That was your first gallery show? That was my first elevator? gallery. I rode the elevator for two days. Nice. All the drawings were a dollar or less. <laughs> and then once I sold them, I took them down and put another one up. And uh, <laughs> so then they said at the end of that year, they broke their rule uh -huh. and said I could have a show. Yeah. And so I did a photo show with a couple of installations mm. and it was the story again it was the veto character in which I, what were the photos of were they of me uh plotting with i got my my <laughs> co-conspirator here oh I got some of the pictures here too, man. I think Vito had a partner in crime. Yes, he did. Oh, what was Vito's? Oh, you'll see. Accessories. Accessory after the fact. <laughs> so I did. I ended up doing four shows there, but this was my co-conspirator. 
Fetch DeSalvo, who is a one-armed boy mannequin. So he's, there's the... Uh, <laughs> the So Fetch and I plotted to, uh, and this could not be done anymore now, so just so you, you know. You need to include this stuff in the, in the book when you put together, <laughs> like the photographs like this, it's great. So we uh, plotted to... What were your, what were your evil plans? <laughs> well, here you go. You get I, some I, I, love, I love the taped on, the typed out. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, text yeah. is great. So, yeah. The, oh, so there's crimes. Oh, I was, uh, I was uh, going to kill off uh, students. Numbers. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so like, uh, your, your, your co... Your I think there's cohort. a couple of pictures. Here I am in the, in the lounge working with possible co-conspirators. <laughs> So this yeah, is all at here I am uh, this is great with the view out the art building with my gun <laughs> so these were in the show this, these are oh the this show. is all part this of the show. the show yeah yeah this is another suspect that I may have plotted with <laughs> you know and uh, <laughs> so yeah eventually I'm arrested and there's a trial yeah. and I had the gun hanging from the ceiling in the center of the room. And we had all kinds of fake identikits, you know, with this is what the suspect looked like. And the best part was I went around to uh, teachers and had them be possible judges and jury. So yeah, this is all got to be part of like the backstory, the birth of DeSalvo or a section so, of your book. You know? So uh, this was one of the art teachers. I put a sombrero on him and made him into a possible character. So yeah, and this is Bruce Breland. He was one of them. <laughs> so yeah, it was... Um, and, you know, all the suspects, you know, these are more suspects, you know, we don't know if she was part of it or he was part of it. <laughs> so, yeah, here's another one. So we, we'd gone through all my old scrap, you know, books. Yeah. I obviously collected all this crap. And yeah. here's a, the forensic reporter, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is... <laughs> She could be in a John Waters movie, you know. Like, like well, these are more uh, judges and stuff. Yeah, more of that kind of crap. Yeah, that's so, great. So it was a good show. Yeah, people were people like, like sort of stunned and yeah. laughing yeah. and couldn't figure out what the hell it was all about. So and this was the stuff you were doing as a freshman. You, you yeah, as a freshman, that's, just that's to, cool. just. You're not going to let us have a show? Okay, we'll let you have a show. They expected me to do my drawings. And yeah. I thought, screw that, you know. Yeah. And so then the next show I did mm -hmm. was I was a pedophile. Oh. I Where wanted to go a little further. Oh, okay. So I abused dogs. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
It was all about the missing dogs, and I had a kit that I would carry around. Uh, these are more for, oh, this was another art teacher from the first show, the jury. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I told you that they had, in my design class freshman year, we want you to imagine the world from a different perspective uh -huh. and do a piece that reflects that. And you have two weeks, kind of. Oh, yeah. So I went around to... Different perspective, like as a different person kind of thing? Or? No, different on the world. On the, yeah. yeah, how you how you feel you're yeah. being perceived yeah. and how you're perceiving the world. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And so I went around to eight of the professors who finally agreed, and I changed clothes with them for a day. Mm. And that was it. I yeah. documented it yeah. and went... Here we are. That's yeah. it. I'm done. And to see these guys try and teach in my clothes yeah. was humbling to them. You know, all of a sudden their whole persona. And they were dressed like what, jeans and a t-shirt or something? Or like jeans, my long jacket, bad old sweater, yeah. and my hat. Yeah. You know, teach like me now. Yeah. You know, bad shoes. We changed shoes. We did it yeah. all. Wow. And, uh, I was Bruce Breland for one day. He sort of fit into some of my clothes, and uh, it was just, it was really great from that. Yeah. I think it's the male guy, postal. And so, uh, it's all over, guys. So yeah. the second one, you know, it's like finding old dogs and missing cats. This is like the this cat the outlook, you know, the... Uh, <laughs> Nobody, not right now. So, oh yeah, this is like evidence in the room. You know, we found this stuff. You know, trashing through. The best picture I have, I don't know if I have it here, was, oh yeah, me looking at hush puppies. Like, <laughs> ooh, hush puppies. <laughs> So wait, but you said you were a pedophile, but you abused Aunt. Yeah, I was kidnapping dogs. Oh, you were a petophile. <laughs> petophile, if okay. you look. <laughs> Soon there's a picture in front of me walking by an animal store. <laughs> it was kind of good, but so it's that kind of thing. And then the third show I did was I bought the university. Oh, okay. <laughs> I struck it rich. Did you and, turn it into something else, or yes, what, what yeah, I wanted to turn it into my corporation. You know, Vito, Vito Deco. You know, and uh, oh, okay. so uh, and I, I had pictures with me with like um, architects. You know, what buildings I was going to tear down. And, oh yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I, you know, they. They amusingly accepted it, which was great yeah. on their part, you yeah. know, because clearly I was out there in their realm. And obviously Bruce Breland thought this is like the best thing I could have found, you yeah. know. So, <laughs> so he was really helpful in getting them to agree to let me do what I was doing. So, and so... I was never that skilled, even in college, yeah. at drawing. Yeah. And I realized I had to fine-tune that. Mm -hmm. But 
I had already in my mind formulated what I was going to do as an artist. Yeah. You know, that that was the important part. So they didn't of push you into like figure drawing, like in drawing from the model or anything no. like that? I mean, I had to do it as yeah. part of school. Yeah. But obviously, my figure drawings didn't look anything like their figure drawings. Yeah. You know, I was doing it the way I wanted to see it. Yeah. And, and you know, I would experiment with like futurism and mm. cubist and yeah. just to expand my drawing ability. And, yeah. you know, and, uh, I mean, I wasn't totally denying the skills of art. Yeah. You know, and uh, so I was experimenting a lot in that realm. More cubist and surrealist yeah. and uh, uh, futurist. Mm. I liked the futurist a lot. And uh, one of the teachers was a guy named Robert Lepper. <laughs> and he was an old, old dude. And he had been one of Warhol's teachers. <laughs> and... He was the first one to do plastic molded work. Oh yeah, like vacuum forms. If you uh, remember vacuum forms, I don't. What's a vacuum form? You make a mold and you put plastic over it, and you put it down and heat it up, and it forms a sheet of plastic uh -huh. that forms that mold. Huh. I don't. I have my book of Machine Age. He is in that somewhere up there. So is well, that kind of like part of the mid-century kind of design? Kind it's of 30s, thing? 30s oh, and 30s. 40s. Oh, okay. Yeah, and so he was very involved in that and he was, he always wore a lab coat. Mm -hmm. He gave me his lab coat when yeah. he retired. Oh, yeah. And he just was like, you know, keep doing it. You're doing great. You know, <laughs> if you can make people laugh and look, you're doing okay. You know, and so he was, his work wasn't anything like mine, but it also opened the door to why, how artists think about making more. Mm, yeah. And that's really what I learned a lot from these guys was, I may not be totally what my work looks like, mm -hmm. but the thought process to making that mm -hmm. is what makes me who I am. Yeah. And... That sort of weird distinctions were the key. And uh, that, those were the big takeaways from school. You know, yeah. you, you could learn how to, yeah. all the tricks of painting, but if you don't know why and how you're creating, mm -hmm. then you're lost. And he was, he was really good at that. There were a few like that. And I had other students that I had... A guy who was a graduate student who I became friends with, who wore a white uh, tails and you know a tuxedo every day. Mm -hmm. and that was his whole thing. So they were like full of, like they were like method actors. They were like performance artists. Hey, performance artists. And so when I was in school, this guy Jim and I the doors open. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Hello. It just swung, it swung open from... Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, that's Tim. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, he, uh, he and I and another guy named David Beck. And David Beck could be prickly. Yeah. He was an artist that did miniatures mm. 
3D miniatures and uh, so the three of us would do performances in school. Mm -hmm. Just all of a sudden, let's do this and let's do that. And uh, uh, David has a piece in the Smithsonian in the main lobby. Mm -hmm. And it's a recreation of the Smithsonian with all this yeah. working shit going on in it. And he became a big deal with Alan Stone. Oh, okay. Alan Stone paid for his living oh, that's for nice. like 40 years. <laughs> and so, but Jim and I yeah. stayed friends and he does a lot of performance art now in Philadelphia and mm. Asheville. And yeah. So, so that was part of the fun too, you know, yeah. just putting this shit out there. And, uh, yeah, it's interesting because, like, by the time I went to art school, so I was a student of, like, people, you're, well, like, yeah. Mark Pascal, and he was sort of decrying the fact that it had swung so far into these de-skilled, de I'm already an artist thing that they couldn't really teach anything, you Yeah, know? people were rejecting the idea. Because, the, yeah, if, if I don't know how to draw something, it's like, well, that's... That's not my problem. It's because I'm expressing myself yeah. by making a shitty drawing. Yeah. Which is, so it had swung. It swung, swung all swung the way too the far, other. Uh, yeah. Into the. Uh, and that's where situation. this guy in Indiana's probably coming from. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Oh, you know, you're, it's you're, like. Your critic. Yeah, my critic. So. Well, it, I mean, it, where I went to school at the Art Institute, it was, it was such a big cult of like the naive art and the outsider art was such a big cult because. It's Harry Who also. They were all inspired by the, yeah, the outsider artists or what used to be called the art of the yeah. insane or naive art, you know, like, uh, and yeah. they were, they were trained artists that were pretending like right. they, right. they didn't have skills. See, and I had no relevance yeah. to that. Yeah. You know, it's just. So, yeah, I mean, and here, yeah, in the, in Chicago and the environs, you know, the. Yeah, the, the Harry Who and the Imagist are like, they are the Academy. Like, they are like, that's that's what I battled against when I was in that school. Yeah, because I, I can't was, imagine going against that. I was, yeah, so. here, yeah I, well, I mean, like, your your stuff fits with theirs much better. Than yeah, the, but like, I, I would feel, I would feel very weird to be associated with it because oh, yeah. it's not, Yeah, I'm not about that, you know, yeah, I'm about the content mm -hmm. and trying to yeah. best portray it. Yeah, and I'm not about some art logic thing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and I what the best class that I had at college. Yeah, my roommate for all four years was an actor, mm. and so he was great yeah. and. Um, we talk about the arts all the time. And he had me, at school, I could take any class I wanted past mm -hmm. fail in the whole yeah. university, which was right. a gift. Yeah. And so I took two years of modern dramatic literature mm. from a man named Leonard Katz. Mm. And he had been, uh, what's her names? Um, the uh, assistant to Gertrude Stein, Alice B. Toklas's mm. assistant. Yeah. And uh, he 
Were in Paris or in or in New they, York when, when she when they yeah, went back? Or? Yeah, when she moved back, and he worked with her, and he was friends with Tennessee Williams, mm -hmm. and he was very very educated in the theater world. Yeah, and so he also had a very dramatic flair to him, and basically it was nine hours a week. Mm. You read one play a week. Yeah. You read it the week before, and then that week he would talk about it. Oh, I see. And so it was three three-hour sessions. He'd come in with the coat over the shoulders, you know, that sort of, oh, you yeah. know, thing. <laughs> and he'd come in with a cup, a pack of cigarettes, and, a, and matches. Mm. And he'd sit down, no book in front of him. Yeah. We're going to talk nine hours about this play. Yeah. And he'd sit there and smoke and he never drank the water. He was throwing his, mat, his cigarettes into. Oh. For the dramatic flair. Yeah. When he'd get to a point. Wow. <laughs> and uh, he talked about what it was that people were trying to say and do mm -hmm. with words and yeah. how to present it to an audience and lead them through mm -hmm. the discovery of what he, they were trying to say and how to invite people in mm -hmm. to discover yeah. and lead them through yeah. these paths. And that was eye-opening to me yeah. because it was the beginning of <coughs> to relate to an audience and open that door mm -hmm. up to, okay, this is the work you want to do. Yeah. Are you going to try and convince people that you want them to see it? How do you make them want to see it mm. and discover more about it as they look at it? So is that when you started putting words in, into your drawings? Yeah, I was always doing words, but, you were, you were always but words. you know, it started to seep more into it. And that's where the title started coming yeah. into it more. And eventually the words were in the drawings. Yeah. But it just slowly, slowly, that literature aspect mm -hmm. sort of solidified putting this yeah. into drawings. Right. And that was the problem I had. Yeah. And uh, all these performances and all that, how do I put it into this? Yeah. And not, you know, do some naive yeah. crap about it, but to really <laughs> make it Man. part of what I was thinking. The, the Imagist army is going to be banging on your door any minute oh yeah demanding an apology and well i framed a lot of their work yeah you know so i i there i that i don't know uh every now and then i like one but like i found it's such a bizarre mix of i mean it's really really uptight but it's also like willfully unskilled like it's on purpose bad you know like you know in this way in this kind of pathological way you know like yeah but it's uptight so it's not loose. It's not like the way somebody who doesn't know how to draw, they'll just be sloppy all over the place. They're never sloppy. Yeah. Like, and imagism the, is really... Is but, you know, it's... Look. And that was part of what I didn't like, you know. It, it's so it's sort of static. 
it threw the school of Ivan Albright out. You know, Seymour Rozovsky and all those guys, who I really loved. That sort of gritty, dirty Chicago painting, that all got tossed aside. Yeah, yeah. It's forgotten, yeah. Uh, There's some people, there's this, uh, do you know uh, Richard Norton? Yeah. Yeah. He shows the stuff that's before the stuff that I like, like Francis Chape and people well, like that. You know, and like, so did I had a friend who I met through the frame shop. Let me see if I have his stuff right here somewhere. And his was Robert Henry Adams. Yeah, I think and Richard Norton either worked like he's yeah, connected and with he would Henry buy Adams, so. a lot of that yeah, stuff a, and show a lot Richard of that Norton stuff. Richard Norton is kind of like taking over that. Yeah, and, and Chicago so, art from before the images. Right, so. exactly. That sort of uh, yeah. 20s and 30s yeah. kind of naive work, an, but they, well but, done work. But like they were either influenced or had spent time in Europe, so they knew about impressionism. and all that. They were super inspired by European art, you know. But and like, the WPA helped. And the WPA people. Like, really yeah. refined it too. Yeah. And they had great work. And they just sort of got. Yeah, I mean Richard Norton. He's in the merchandise mart now. He's you go there and there's stacks and stacks and stacks of this stuff. I go there yeah. sometimes. Yeah, and uh, uh, Robert would find <laughs> some woman artist. I'm like going, this stuff's great. Yeah. Oh yeah, I got thirty of her paintings here. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can buy this stuff for cheap. Like, yeah. Absurdly cheap. Yeah, it yeah. just is amazing to me. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's. It's sad, and you know. I, well, that's that, that's just the ways of the art, world, art fashion, yeah. and like things. And it changes all the yeah, time. Yeah, so here, yeah, like when people think about Chicago art, it's it's all images all the time, you know. Like, and there's just a lot more. Well, then they went through a period. I don't. You probably weren't here then. It was in the late eighties, and it was this sort of. Ode to Expressionism mm. that we had. We had these sort of big black and white paintings yeah. and sort of more action painting and. Well, later and, there was you know like Wesley Kindler. Well, like this that. is like a preliminary to yeah. Wesley Kilmer. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, they were they were the hipsters. Yeah. You know, and uh, they were all over Milwaukee Avenue sure, and yeah. all that, and. When yeah. it was cheap to live in. They were the market. fashion of yeah. the period, you know, yeah. and you could sort of, well, there's a little bit of something there, but not much, you know, and, uh, you know, I, you ride those storms out, you know, just. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just go, well, it, it becomes the fashion and then the money follows and then. Yeah. Yeah. So the, yeah, then at some point, so when you moved away from, you left Chicago for a while. When was that? That was in ninety-eight. Okay, so you you spent basically twenty years or yeah. so here. Yeah, and then my daughter was six or seven, uh-huh. and uh, we decided what are we going to do for school mm-hmm. and all that, and uh, they're just. We were both working, mm-hmm. my wife at the time and I. So then there's child care, there's all yeah. this stuff. What was she doing? What was your wife doing? She was a color expert and fabric expert. Oh. And so she 
worked in the merchandise mart. Oh, okay. And worked for fabric companies. And uh, so she was she was good at what she did. I think she was getting a little torn between motherhood and working. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. that was an issue. And so uh, she had, her mother was from Maine. And the grandfather lived in Maine and was still alive. Oh, so that's why you ended up in Maine. So we ended up moving to Maine. Mm -hmm. And uh, it all seemed perfect on paper. Mm -hmm. But the reality of throwing all these people together, yeah, it's a different story. Yeah. And uh, the grandfather I became good friends with. Uh-huh. And uh, he was... He was a polio victim mm. and as a child and uh, so became, did he have like an arm or a leg that didn't work or very like, foreshortened oh, back yeah. and kind of like yeah. this and uh, he became very literary mm. and went to Bates and played the piano and he mm. played music for silent films mm. yeah and to make money and uh, Eventually became superintendent of schools for the area, which included all the islands and all mm. that. And so he got to know all the island people and all that. And um, my uh, mother-in-law went to Bates and then went to Wisconsin and got her doctorate in American literature mm. and uh, English and American literature. And she ended up teaching at Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And her husband, my wife's father, was a parole officer. Mm. So it's kind of an odd marriage. And yeah. uh, so they wanted to move back to Maine and uh, mostly her to be with her father. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we went, figuring our daughter would get to know their yeah. heritage. Well, the grandfather died before we got there. Uh. And, um, but she got to know her grandmother really well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Maine was good. Yeah. I, I sold the business, kept the building. Yeah. And, uh, everyone thought I was moving in with Eskimos. And yeah. it turned, I was going to fall down the stairs. And frankly, I fell up the stairs. Yeah. Because I was, Skilled with my hands, mm -hmm. I knew enough what to do, yeah, and I was fairly articulate, not yeah. or at least knowledgeable, yeah. So up there, you can do that. Yeah. Why don't you do that here? Mm. So we need somebody to do that. We need somebody to do that. Mm -hmm. So I was the volunteer fireman because what I knew, time was this? Was this in a town? Or yeah, was it, it was in a town called Thomaston. Okay. Which at the time, uh, General Knox from, who was Secretary of War for Washington in the Revolutionary mm -hmm. War, was from this yeah. town. So this was a town yeah. from Revolutionary mm -hmm. War era. Yeah. And um, uh, it just was an old town at the head of two peninsulas. Mm. And... Uh, 2,000 people. Yeah. And uh, they, when I moved there, they said, well, we need somebody at the fire department. It's a volunteer fire department. Mm -hmm. so, 
I'm not very big or anything. Yeah. I think you could handle the pumping yeah. of the thing, so that's what I ended up doing. So was that was that a job that Leo did, or or was that a, that was a Leo job? That was a Leo uh, job. That sounds like a job. Yeah, yeah. It's all public relations yeah. crap. Vito doesn't do things like that. No. So then I was working <laughs> making furniture, and all of that for a furniture company, and they made Windsor chairs and mm. stuff like that. Yeah. And I did the finishing and all that, which was great because I really learned different types of finishes and how to make them mm. look perfect. And um, I did that for a while. And then at one point, my daughter was in school and her teacher got ill. One of her former teachers got ill and they asked me if I would come and fill in while mm -hmm. this teacher was ill. Yeah. And I ended up deciding to leave the furniture business and do that. And my dad had been a school teacher mm. for 40 years. My Got sister it. taught school. I thought, I should try this. What grade, what grade were you teaching? Oh, this was fifth grade. Oh, okay. And so I ended up teaching the whole year. Yeah. Because the guy died. Mm. He was more yeah. than ill. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they only had three males in the school. Oh, yeah. The assistant principal, the janitor, and one history teacher. <laughs> so they asked me to do the baseball team, which was great fun. Yeah. So I coached the baseball team. Yeah. They couldn't play a lick, but we had a lot of fun. And I would write the synopsis of the game for the ah. broadcast for the for the uh, announcements in the morning. Oh, nice. <laughs> and the kids got a kick out yeah. of it. Because I'd compare them to Greek gods and stuff like that. <laughs> like that. So how, long, like, oh. how long did you do that? I did that for the whole year, okay. fifth grade. And then when that year ended, they asked me to do seventh grade because that teacher was sick. That uh -huh. one other male oh, teacher. Okay. Yeah. And I said I'd do it for half a year because by then the museum was asking me if I wanted to be the preparator. Mm. I said, well, we're in transition here. Yeah. I'll do it till December and I'll come yeah. and do it there. So that's when I transitioned to the museum. Mm. And uh, Is that where you met Kenneth Noland or no? Yeah. yeah, so I met everyone. And I had also at that time become head of the library and head of the synagogue. Oh, wow. So the synagogue job was great for a long time and they hadn't had a rabbi there in 75 years wow how and did they how did they run it self self-run and it was a collection of people so it was and, like quaker meeting but for for jews <laughs> yeah but with all different backgrounds yeah you know every other idea of what judaism was yeah and so we, and they liked it that way, but all of a sudden they decided we need to get a rabbi. Well, yeah, it's unaffiliated. I can't go to yeah. the rabbinic schools and knock on the door because yeah. you're not you haven't paid the money to belong. Yeah. So I had to go on the open market. Yeah. First of all, I had to raise the money. Yeah. And I, 
another guy and I, we you bought, raised... So you, you bought yourself a rabbi? We bought ourselves a <laughs> rabbi. Where, where's the, what's the rabbi store? What's, what's the going rate yeah, for yeah. a rabbi these Well, days? we raised $400,000. Jesus. And, uh, not Jesus, but like, the, yeah, the well, one, yeah, of the, yeah, one of the members, <laughs> one of the members was a guy, I can't think of his name. Anyhow, he had been a pharmacist in Philly, mm -hmm. but had a summer home up there. Mm -hmm. And he started buying doctor's practices when they started to close in the early 80s. Mm. And... He decided to conglomerate all these practices and copyright it and mm. became the first, um, what do they call those, conglomerate things. Anyhow, um, when it's all multi-practice under one thing. Yeah. Like Humana or something yeah, like yeah. that. He became the first one. Yeah. And he sold the rights to... I want to say something like Humana or yeah. something for three billion dollars. So, yeah. and uh, he was a member, mm. and I met with him twice, and uh, convinced him to give us one hundred twenty-five thousand mm. dollars. And uh, he was okay guy. He's very strict. Yeah. Anyhow, he had good friends who owned a bank who were on the board of the museum that I worked mm. at. And they said, we're going to match him, but tell him we're giving less. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So it's just um, how rich people work. Yeah. But it all worked out, and I had to go through a rabbi search at that point mm. on the open market. What a hoot. What yeah. a hoot. But I had to deal with a board. Mm. I told you I got the ventriloquist rabbi that applied. I I don't know if you told me about the event. He What's sent me this? a DVD, uh -huh. and it was him and a vet, got both uh -huh. dressed in the full thing with the whole outfit and the like dummy. The rabbi, the yeah. dummy was a rabbi too? Yeah. yeah. And so, hey, you want to read the Hebrew today? Yeah, I'll read the Hebrew today. Oh, you know, my Lord. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Creepy. Yeah. So, and we had a guy who was a Brazilian... Judo mixed artist wrestler who wanted to open a dojo and be the rabbi mm. and work with the police and fire and be in the whole self-defense thing. Is that who you hired? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, the, you hired just a regular plain old well, yeah, vanilla? They, uh, there were a couple right. of retired people, mm -hmm. rabbis, who yeah. I thought were perfect and they yeah. thought were too old. Yeah. You know, we don't want another old guy. Yeah. You know, so uh, I ended up hiring a former, like, uh, what do they call that? Therapeutic, you know, uh, get in touch with your body sort of person mm. and who had gone to rabbinic school. Oh, okay. And so we hired her. And uh, it sort of worked out. As soon, I told her, as soon as you're hired, my daughter's getting bar mitzvahed, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm quitting being the rabbi head. I can't you're, be on the president. So is that, is that when you moved over to work with Kenneth Nolan? Or? Yeah, I was, by then I was. And I did the library, too. I finished that at the same time. Oh, okay. 
The library was in a building from 1826. Mm. It was really dank mm. and not good for books because of that and dark. Yeah. And I renovated it. Oh, wow. And uh, I cut the stacks mm -hmm. and put them on wheels. Mm. All of a sudden, you could see the windows. Yeah. And got new furniture, carpeting, painted it, mm. opened it up with more windows. And originally, I thought $50,000, and I got a money from Stephen and Tabitha King. Oh. And so... Did they live nearby, or...? They lived in Maine. They only no, give money to libraries in Maine. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. And he said... You're the town that had Shawshank Redemption in it because mm. we had the state prison there. Oh, I see. So, of course, I have to give money to that. Mm. And uh, it worked out beautifully. Yeah. It was one of the most happiest things I ever did. Hmm. And part of it was I had the what we had as aldermen come in once every Saturday. One of them would come in and read to kids. Mm. And it was like, because all of a sudden I created, with couches and all yeah. this, you could actually yeah. sit and they could actually have school meetings there mm. and stuff. Before you had to use the police station, mm. which was crazy. Yeah. And so uh, it really worked out. I, it was one of the happiest yeah. things I ever did. And, uh, but I quit all that to work for... I was working at the museum while I was doing this, mm -hmm. and I met, uh, you know, a lot of artists, you know, Yvonne yeah. uh, Jacquet yeah. and uh, Katz, Alex Katz, yeah. and it was fine, you know, I got to know main artists, yeah. but at some point, the state bureauc bureaucratic avenue of it was mm -hmm. just defeating. Yeah. And I was the only guy doing it. Yeah. I had to elicit the heating and cooling guy to help me carry artwork. You know, it just, it was it's nuts. Yeah. Help me carry a crate, you know, yeah. and uh, stuff like that. And uh, so when Ken came along, I jumped at the chance. I talked to Mark Pascal about it. Oh, yeah. And uh, I knew he knew sort of the ropes of this. Yeah. And uh, he was like, if you really like the guy, do it. Yeah, because Mark had moved over to the museum world by then. Yeah, and so it was perfect. I, I was in his last last class when he was, well, because the yeah. institute wouldn't give him tenure. Yeah. So that's why he ended up in the museum. Right, and right. And kind of quit. Teach, he was teaching lithography, but like they wouldn't. He was a visiting artist, quote unquote, for like ten years. You yeah, know? Well, it's it was like, ridiculous. It's like so my friend did, in yeah. Washington. Yeah, he taught at Gallaudet. He taught at uh, the Corcoran. Mm -hmm. He taught at Maryland. Yeah, and they would give him one or two classes, yeah. never enough to be full time. Yeah, you know, and you're dependent on how many people apply to be in the class. Sure, yeah, and then you get no benefits. Yeah, and it just was like endless. Yeah. Holding you on a string. Yep. It was another reason why I didn't go into the education world. There oh, are certain it's, it's, things it's why such, I didn't. It's such a mess, yeah. 
I didn't want to be an artist just making mm -hmm. artwork and living yeah. through galleries. I saw that horror yeah. show yeah. doing the framing for these galleries yeah. and seeing how they operated. Yeah. Nice people, but I wouldn't want to be on the other end of this string. You know, no. it's just no, uh, begging all... for your money from pieces that you sold. and Yeah, they're either kind of hobbyists or like rich, bored people or crooks. You know, yeah, like, all three like, of those. R.H. Love is that, a perfect that's, example. That's, you know, that's it's the just, gallery world. Yeah, I and I, I didn't want to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah. And the same thing in the teaching world. Yeah. I didn't want that part. So right. I chose to stay in that other round. And then when the opportunity came to be with Ken, yeah. by then I was doing work for the Wyatts. I was mm. making frames oh, for oh, them. Yeah. And... Uh, that was, I was never going to be any more than just an outside contractor yeah. doing stuff for them. Yeah. And Betsy liked me a lot, and she would have me come out to the island and do things. Mm. But there was no living there, you know, making a living. She, was Andrew Wyatt dead by then? or was he, No, he was still, still alive. alive. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah, I he, don't know what they weren't died. living together per se, but oh, they were still. He was living with Helga. Sure, I remember that was a huge thing when when yeah. I was in high school. There was at the Museum of Fine Arts. They had that Helga show. That yeah, was, it was like a big scandal. Like, it, it, if you read more about it but, now, they're much more upfront about it. But well, you know, they a, they had to drum up like yeah, excitement. It was a publicity thing. Yeah, of course, it was yeah. a marketing thing. Because we it's found like, these paintings, and this is the secret life. Well, he was so like stop the press is a, is a, an artist fucked it, fucked their model like like yeah. that's like that's well, and before. also like, an artist <laughs> drew a lot of naked women yeah. <laughs> who yeah, were yeah. neighbors or people it's down a, the street. It's revolutionary. Uh, Nobody's ever seen that. Gee, before. I wonder if he had sex with them too. Yeah, you know? Right, yeah. Jeez, but. You know, I don't think he was that driven by that part of it. I think yeah. he did just like being around women who were naked. Yeah. You know, it was a nice thing for him. And uh, and Jamie is a very nice man. Yeah. And uh, Betsy was very sweet to me. She could be very prickly, but she was very sweet to me. And so because of them and working at the museum, mm -hmm. that's why. Uh, did they have any... Interaction with Kenneth Nolan, they did they a little like, bit, yeah. Oh, interesting. And so, I wonder how how they would see each other. Ooh, like, I don't know if I have that not, picture. Do they uh, not talk about like the, the differences, aesthetic differences between? It, that didn't really encounter. Yeah. Um, Just because they both now both did art and they were in one of the things. first shows that Ken had in New York was a curated show, uh -huh. and the curator one of the curators was. Andy Wyeth. Oh, okay. So that's how they met. Oh, way okay. before Ken was even yeah. a blip. Yeah. And uh, so they knew each other for a long time. And I think it was also at that point a balance of two elderly successful artists. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, Andy had his world. Yeah. Betsy ran it. Yeah. Ken had his world, but he also had uh, Paige, who was 38 years 
the editor of Architectural Digest. Mm. So they both had competing successes that oh, sort of yeah. made them equals in mm. that well. Mm. And Paige did a dinner every end of the <coughs> summer mm -hmm. and invited people, yeah. some locals, yeah. but also all the Wyatts. Yeah. You know, and uh, she would bring people up from New York. Mm -hmm. So Ahmed Erdogan would come up. Yeah. Harry Benson did all the photography mm -hmm. for it. You know, it was a, this one guy would come all the time. <coughs> I ended up talking to him a lot. His name was Eugene Vincent Thaw, T-H-A-W. Mm. And he was the art writer for Architectural Digest. <coughs> oh, okay. And he had had a gallery in New York. Mm in the late 50s, early 60s, and mm -hmm. did post-abstract expressionist. Oh, okay. And so uh, he was a really interesting guy. And he ended up becoming the writer of the catalog resume for Jackson Pollock. Oh, okay. And uh, he knew all of these people. And just to hear him and Ken talk about, mm -hmm. you know, Rothko or... Avery or any of them, you really got the essence of who these people were. And that was, and again, this is like that college thing of how artists work and mm -hmm. think. This yeah. was knowing who these people were as people mm -hmm. and not the book image or yeah. the art image. Yeah. You know, not the manufactured image, yeah. but just the everyday. There was an artist that came up right around Pollock. He just died like 10, 15 years ago. And they were talking about him and they thought, oh, this guy was going to be it. He was yeah. going to be it, more than Pollock. But he wouldn't go to the gallery. He wouldn't go to openings. He wouldn't go to... He said, that's not my job. That's your job. My job's just to make this stuff. Who... who uh... I, I'll have to look him up. And Ken had one of his paintings. And uh, he died. I, I mean, his career died. Yeah. Because no one would show his work because you you're not here to help promote it. You won't meet with collectors. You won't do that whole, you know, show thing. And he still had a, a career, but it wasn't much. I think I know what you're talking about. Was it a Jewish guy? Yeah. Oh. He's, he had a, uh, him and his wife had a, they worked in a synagogue that's now a museum. And, oh. uh, what the fuck is it? He I, refused to be in the, in the famous photograph. He, he might have been, yeah. Uh, oh I can't God. think of his name. But anyhow, it was like one of these things where all of a sudden they're talking about this stuff and you're realizing there are certain turns in people's careers that yeah. just shift. And all of a sudden their art yeah. is perceived differently because yeah. of it. And that to me was another Milton Resnick. No? No, it wasn't oh, Resnick. Well, Milton Resnick. Resnick is one of those. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those. One of the, that's he was another story. person who... He refused to be in the famous right. photograph. And he had the building in New York that they discovered all the stuff. And, yeah. yeah. Well, he, him and, and Pat Pasloff was his wife. Yeah. And they're they both... Uh, yeah. They worked in very a, similar in stories. a deconsecrated synagogue on yeah. the edge of Chinatown. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It's a little music. Yeah, museum, museum now. Yeah. yeah. 
It's great. very similar that's story a, that's to that. Not who, not I'm him. sure there's a, bu- a bunch of bunch them. Bunch of like, them, like, them like, well, like... The other thing that Ken would talk about was the European immigrants uh-huh. that came yeah. over yeah. who refused the American lifestyle. Yeah. I'm an artist. Yeah. I'm not a teacher. Yeah. I make art. Yeah. I should be paid to make art. Yeah. And... I don't particularly want to learn English. Yeah, you know, and where do we go from here? You know, you know. I mean, you know, (laughs) De Kooning adapted, but he was, you know, he was a very few. He was Uh, a stowaway. A lot of them (laughs) thought we'll go back to Europe and the market will be turned to where it was, and I'll go back to what I was, and they were stuck. Yeah, you know, and it just, in some ways. Um, his teacher, Bolotovsky, was like that. Mm. You know, it just, here he was a great yeah. friend of Bondrian. Yeah. He thought, oh, I'd just go back, but it never happened. Yeah, uh, his, the Bauhaus people that got stuck in America. Right, like, and uh, Albers was Laszlo smart Mah- enough to learn English yeah. and become more. And Laszlo Maholy not showing up here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. the Chicago Bauhaus. It's, it's just... Yeah. You can find those fringes of people that yeah. succeeded. Fakabia didn't succeed really. As Max, a, Max Beckman taught all over. He taught in. That's why yeah. there's great Max Beckmans in St. Louis. Yeah, because yeah, he, he taught there. Yeah, yeah, towards the end of his life when he yeah. had to flee Nazis. And yeah. Leger and all that. A lot of them, it's yeah. just, uh, it just, they had a hard time, and it yeah. just, you know, it, that's fascinating to me, and mm-hmm. it, and it affected their work. Sure. In some ways, and yeah, Max Ernst, many all the surrealists yeah. had to flee. You know, Kokoschka, well, and yeah, yeah. And, <coughs> so I don't know. Ken was great about that. He really had the resources to learn about that <coughs> through other people yeah. and just his knowledge, Jack, of meeting all these people mm-hmm. and knowing them, and. Uh, and so he how, was yeah. He was curious guy. He, he liked to ask. How long were you with him? Six years. Six years. Yeah. And then after that, you moved back here, right? He or, or when he passed away, or or no? He was ill, yeah. very ill, and we knew it wasn't going well. Yeah. And I had finished this last big series of paintings with him, mm. and I don't know if I have the book here. You've seen those paintings, haven't you? I don't know if I have. Uh, let me move, move this for a second. Let me get over here. I think I have the book here. There's a black one. No, it's not black. It's white. Oh, okay. uh, it's called Birth of the Cool. You know, after the Miles thing. Yeah, yeah. He went with that. And... Uh, I'll find it for you sometime. Anyhow, it's this last series of paintings, Uh and he had macular degeneration. Mm -hmm. So he wanted to paint what he saw. Right. And so, yeah, we worked on that. And then he was dying, and he couldn't do work anymore. And I had this horrible meeting with his wife and him. And we went up to the studio, Mm -hmm. and she wanted him to paint on paper. Because it was quicker, easier. Yeah. And I had to set everything up with pieces of paper yeah. and all the paints and all that. 
and she came up and she was like almost like browbeating him. Yeah. Like, look, look how easy this is. You could be doing this. You squeeze squeeze the last few bucks out of the Yeah, out of you know, you should yeah. be doing yeah. this. And he's like, I don't yeah. want to do this anymore. So, yeah, there's some really bad. I mean, all like those last years of de Kooning, like, yeah. which I think they pretty much know the assistants made those paint like, because he had. had also, well, they took the his show, yeah. scribbles and overhead projected yeah, yeah, them yeah, on they, the canvas. Yeah, yeah. And I told Terrible. Ken I yeah. was never going to paint. Yeah. I'm not a good painter. Yeah. <laughs> I could make the paints. I could yeah. set it all up. Yeah. But you're the painter. I'm not yeah. a painter. And uh, he uh, he just was like, yeah. I, I don't have any interest in this shit. Yeah. And she was like, oh, what are you going to do? And he goes, I got a nice place. I'm just going to relax. Yeah. And she was like disgusted with him. Jeez, that's, and it was that's just, terrible. Was, yeah. I've had a couple yeah. of those yeah. where the son criticized his work. Mm. It's just like to sit there and watch this happen. Yeah. And I was totally endorsing him. Yeah. Just enjoy fucking life. Yeah. You're 86 years old. Yeah. My that's parents nice. had just died. Oh, okay. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. enjoy life. You know, and she was just. She was still working. She was still yeah. flying to New York. Yeah. And couldn't understand why you are giving up. Mm. And she thought maybe work would make him want to live longer mm -hmm. or yeah. whatever. Was she younger? Or? A little bit. Not yeah. much. But not by much. Okay. And, uh, but she was driven. Yeah. You know, and uh, he was ill. He was yeah. losing his eyesight. Yeah. He had cancer. Yeah. He was losing his hearing. I just want to sit back. I think, all in all, yeah. if he could have just said, Stan, I'll cut your salary. Just come yeah. here five hours a yeah. day and hang out with me. Yeah. He would have been perfectly happy. And take me to my doctors. Yeah. And take me somewhere and let's listen to music. Yeah. He would have been perfectly happy. I know. I know. I used to know a guy that had, had that job for Jasper Johns. Right. He, was, he wasn't a studio assistant. He had studio assistants. Yeah. It was just another, it was a guy, it was like a, kind of like a younger gay guy, and they would just like hang out and cook. He was yeah. like basically paying him to be a friend. Yeah. And I said, because there's, I would, become so I isolated. would yeah. welcome doing that, yeah. you know, yeah. and she was not, she yeah. wanted control. Yeah. And so... In some ways, I think she felt that I had too much control on mm. him. Or not yeah. control, but friendship with him. And uh, so she decided at that point that if you're not going to paint, then you don't need a studio assistant. Ah, okay. And so she decided I should just take care of the archives mm -hmm. and the storage yeah. of the stuff. Yeah. Well, I was already, my parents had died. Yeah. Ivy was graduating high school. Mm -hmm. I was separated from my wife. Yeah. Ivy wanted to come with me. Yeah. So I was already... Let's Halfway just... The, have, and so I would sit with work. Ken yeah. after yeah. this and yeah. say, you got three kids. Yeah. Go be with them. Yeah. They need you. You need mm. them. Yeah. You know, your son's kind of a jerk. Yeah. But your two daughters, mm -hmm. one's an alcoholic, go... 
be with her. Mm. You know, and Kate and stuff. And she wouldn't let that happen. And so it's it's maybe Tim too, I don't know. Somebody just and came so, up and delivered something probably. Yeah. And yeah. so um it was very sad. Yeah. And I told Ken, you know, I, I'm gonna have to leave. Yeah. And he turned to me and he said, you know, they're keeping me in a bubble, mm. a protective yeah. bubble, yeah. where I don't see people and I don't talk to people. Ugh. And it's just like, you know, breaks your heart. Yeah. And then when he died, yeah, no memorial service. Oh, nothing, really? Nothing. That's fucked up. <laughs> and That's she, right. and she, what she did was organize a book in which she edited. Mm. Other people's remembrances. Mm. Yeah, she wanted to control everything. Control everything. Yeah, it's it's fucked up. I'm sorry. Yeah, you know, but well, that uh, uh, unfortunately a very common story with whatever the survivors of whatever. Yeah. Writer, artist, creative genius types, whoever is left, gets yeah. to control everything, and it's a very sad. Of, thing. Oftentimes, to the detriment of the legacy of the, the artist you know and for me you know I loved my dad mm -hmm. he was a great influence on me for living mm -hmm. but Ken was how to live as an adult for me oh wow you know, and like as an artist yeah. and part of that society of artists mm -hmm. in the art world yeah. he was the guy and right really smart about it really thoughtful and managed to maneuver his way through it yeah in spite of alcoholism and things like mm, that yeah. so you know and plus the times he lived through it yeah there was no computers there was no cell phone yeah it was all reading people and understanding who they were and what they were like and assessing them yeah, on face value, right? And trusting him or not trusting him. So he was right on it, you know. And they all knew each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sure, yeah. There was that immediacy. So, but yeah, when he passed, that's when I came back. Right before he passed. I yeah, came you back. came here, back here. Yeah, and Ooh. then that's the whole Tony thing. But right, yeah, we we can we can skip over the Tony. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> Is yeah, I could for, easily best, skip over that. Best, best for everyone involved because that, that that becomes a quick ugly telling from all but sides. Part but part of like, it, <laughs> part of the Ken thing is the idea of having a gallery and not taking a commission. Mm, yeah, and finding That's artists. That's where the Firecat idea came. Yeah, from. yeah, finding artists that don't fit into the common. <laughs> the current well, friends. You, you sure as shit found one in me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's that individual. That's, yeah. what, that's what you're going for. Right, yeah. And it, it goes back to, you know, somebody asking me to do a five-foot drawing in blue. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to break that mold. Mm. You know, just do what you're going to do and you'll find the niche. Well, so. yeah, we can... We can start wrapping this up, but the I guess the last thing I wanted to know was, when did the whole People in the Know writing project start? Has that been going 
for a long, long time, or when did you start with the when, the I, came, when I came back here? That's when people in the know the the writing began. You know, I had separated from my wife. I had Ivy here, with my daughter here with right. me. Right. Yeah. And uh, no, I, I I drove her to work once in the cab. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I needed to find an outlet for yeah. that, and I was starting to do work outside of me as Stan, the gallery person, artist, mm -hmm. and Vito, the artist. Yeah. So I didn't want... Is that when Leo showed up? or Leo? So Leo was born in Chicago? <laughs> okay. And that was after my mom died and I moved here. My mom and dad yeah. died. She and her sister were the longest living people in except for one other sister, mm. in their family for yeah. generations. Yeah. And two of them had Alzheimer's. Yeah. And so that started to hit home for yeah. me. Mm. And the veto thing, the stand thing, and then I'm starting to go out here and make a living in other jobs. And this and is, I, yeah, ushering at Wrigley Field and at this. Yeah, thing. and I thought, it's getting too confusing who I know people. Yeah. So I'm going to make Leo. Yeah. And Leo is a... Leo's like a, a nice, kindly old man, right? Right. And he meets people, he takes care, he talks, he listens. It's he's, funny that, like, Leo's the youngest, but he's the, the character's the oldest. He's yeah, like yeah. a nice old man, yeah. but he's, he's actually the kid. He's, he's, <laughs> he's a mensch. You know, he's yeah. out there trying to do good. In the Stan Klein universe, he's, yeah. he's, 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 he's Where Stan Klein doesn't have that <laughs> yeah. consistent capability, I yeah, can I, turn yeah, it I, on. I hear, I hear that Stan Klein's a real dick. <laughs> Leo I, doesn't have a, a, a mean boat. Leo can turn it on and be that, and that's great. <laughs> and, and it's great because I can blame the other people for any yeah. shit that happens. But you started writing about it after you moved. Yeah, here. Yeah, and now when people go up to me and they go Leo, and I go, okay, I know you're from two different places. Then it, it can, yeah, you can compartmentalize it. But yeah, that's that's hard for anybody that's been like around a town for a long time. You yeah. you run into somebody and you don't know they know you, but you don't know them. Yeah, that's been happening to me. I because yeah. I can't place them because they're out of context. And you're trying to lead into a question that will help. Yeah. So how's everything at home going? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, Are you still at the same job? I'm not good at faking it. So they, they realize very, very quickly if I have a blank look on my face that they have to tell me yeah. who they, you know, I just... And I stopped doing the sort of thing because yeah. I couldn't, I would make total mistakes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, you knew my wife died three years ago. Oh, yeah. I, Right. Oh, yeah. oh, sorry I brought it up, you know. That's <laughs> good. It's good. It's like camouflage. It's protective color coloration or something. And it yeah. gets it out of my system in some ways. Yeah. You know, I like I can do the Leo thing and feel great about that yeah. and, and all that. And then I can come of, back and be me again. In a know? sort of performance art. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. so it goes in a nice way. Yeah, in right. a nice way. You know, yeah, and not in a pretentious art school way. <laughs> no, no. It, it, it also helps my mental health. Yeah. Too. You know, it's yeah. I can sort things out easier. And, 
This is fucking complicated shit, all this art crap and all that stuff. You're telling me. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I would just stew about it and yeah. all that. Now I don't have to. Well, I've, yeah, I've been really enjoying these excerpts you've been sending me from the... the, <laughs> the just the last that. week. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like I can, yeah, I don't know, like it could be. Well, it brings in movies and books I've read, yeah. it brings in all that idea. Yeah, all the stuff that you like. Well, the whole thing with the women thing, you know, Mariah called me one day, and she was talking about the Oppenheimer movie, and she goes, well, there are no women in yeah. this film. There's no women-to-women -women conversation. Yeah. I said, and I started thinking, like, yeah, I don't have any women in my stuff. <laughs> you know? so, and so that's what perked it. Yeah. And, and so I sent her a copy of that, yeah. and I said, she read it and she wrote me, she said, yeah, you bring a woman, in, a woman into this, she's going to kill all three of you instantly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably true, you know, so it's like... Well, I, well no, but uh, I'll push back a little bit. You do sort of, have, you have Ella. Yeah, Ella is a big, strong... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Ella... Ella came in, how, when did Ella appear? Like a year after I moved yeah, so back. Yeah, pretty soon. Uh, yeah, Ivy so wanted Ella, a dog her whole yeah, life, yeah. and my wife didn't want to have yeah. a dog. She thought they were dirty, and yeah. who's going to walk them, and all this. Yeah. So as soon as we moved back, within less than a year, she was yeah. already on, on the, what you would call it, the pets or whatever it is. Yeah. And pa Oh, paws? Paws, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Ella's name then was Emma mm -hmm. from Little Women. Yeah. And I'm like going, uh-uh, I yeah. can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do Little Women, so Ella was not Little Women. Well, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next, and uh, yeah, if I can be of any help. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking this. to my friend Dan, who I yeah. CC'd you yeah. on that. Yeah. He's the editor, yeah. so I'm going to talk to him this weekend. And yeah, if you need any help yeah, or like so. anything layout. But I have any, tons any kind of, of those pictures of Ella on steps. Yeah. And that was just such a great, she would just, I'd take her out in the morning, she'd walk around up these stairs. She, but yeah, you, you, you should, I mean, like now that you've shown me these old photographs from yeah. your art school, oh, like, yeah. with the birth of Vito DeSalvo, yeah. you should, you should have that, like that should be the word, you may not have to have a death, but you should, you could definitely yeah. have a birth, at least yeah. one birth. You yeah, know? well, it, it had more context to the Vito stuff. Yeah, which and then, and then be, you could maybe, if you get done with that, you could have a... It's like that, that was the show. Yeah, um, yeah. This was... Uh, <laughs> This was uh, one of the major photos in the show was uh, right, you know, with the with the the whole Oswald thing. Yeah, yeah. I was just gonna say, yeah, it's Oswald, right? So it's an it's a nicer, kinder, gentler Oswald. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just want to knock off some school school kids, yeah. art students. Let's well, shoot them off. Just you're not like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Charles Starkweather. Right, you're exactly. Not in, you're not up in a tower or anything. No, no. <laughs> But yeah, and then I got into the whole trial aspect, which was the most fun of that. Yeah. Picking the jury, picking this, picking mm -hmm. that, all that stuff. So, and everyone would read those things and start mm -hmm. hooting and howling. Right. Well, then I guess, yeah, you, you can trace the beginning of Leo, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's also the writing part, yeah. which just... So yeah, 
my last suggestion for an ending is that they just wander off and disappear. But like, you know, the going out for cigarettes and not coming back. Yeah, like, yeah. You yeah. can have like and the, having the dogs wonder what's going on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so. yeah. who's gonna feed us? Yeah. <laughs> And a kindly neighbor comes in and hears the barking yeah. and takes yeah, you don't, over. Yeah, you don't need to be killed. I don't know who's telling you to kill them. Like, you don't need to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told him when he told me that. It's there's like, an, there's you're another. asking me to lose me. Right, yeah. yeah. They can't die as long as you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so much a part of me. It's not like... Yeah. I'm, in some ways, I'm not that professional artist, mm -hmm. and in some ways, I'm not that professional writer who right. can go from book to book and yeah. create a character and yeah. leave that character. This is my life that yeah. you're talking about. I said that to him. You're talking about my life. Yeah, that's yeah, that's weird. I mean, you know, I've written some books, but I've never understood how like real like novelists. They, they come up with these plots and the story arcs and there's a beginning, middle, and end. I don't. All I take from is like real life. Like yeah, yeah. In, in real life, there's only one beginning and end. You know, well, so we all have the same one. You know? It's so. like that continuing <laughs> character that Roth did. You know, he kept carrying on the yeah. character. You know, and in some ways that was successful, in some ways it wasn't. Yeah, he's not. He's not a favorite of mine. No, uh, Philip so, Roth. I've tried. I've tried over the years repeatedly with him, and I just cannot. He's so self-absorbed, yeah. and he's so e egotistical, yeah. and so in love with, like, so, he so loves himself, yeah. and it's just such a turn-off. Yeah. It's so not what I'm into, you know? Like, well, the ones that I liked were, like, Bernard Malamon. I liked him a lot. Yeah. The guy that wrote it's The Pawnbroker. Who died really young. He wrote like four books mm. before he died. Um, uh, there was another guy who was just, uh, even Orwell, some yeah. of his yeah. other books. Orwell's great. Like, especially like, uh, what's like Coming Down, Up for Air and Down and Out in Paris. And yeah, Lines. those are so, so great. So fucking good. So great. And, and the essays, like those yeah. essays, or like when he talks about his child, like yeah. going to the boarding school. Like, those are. Or, it's the best stuff. It's so immediate yeah. and so and it reads really It reads really contemporary. Oh, like yeah. I, I reread some of that stuff during lockdown, yeah. some of the Orwell stuff, and it reads so, so well. And that's why I like Malamon, too, because yeah. he's so direct and so on top of it. But, yeah, the some of those, like, like Roth and Bellow have aged very badly. Very Bellow is, Bellow is even nastier than Roth. It's Bellow, hard for me to get through. He oh, really is. He's just a real, real bastard. Like yeah. He, and he's always put himself above people. Like, and, yeah, he, he's just a dick. Uh, and it and, comes through. Every, and all the, when I was in college and all the way through, yeah. I really liked Chester Himes. Mm. I liked all yeah. his, yeah. you know, all his novels. Yeah. And he was always right there. Yeah. You know, and just, there's certain people, I can pick any of their books and go, yeah, ninety percent of don't like it, you know. And yeah, I, yeah. There's ones, yeah, like I don't know. Do you, do you read Ross McDonald? Yes, Ross McDonald's great. Yeah, yeah. And that's a pseudonym. His name, real name, is something Millar. Like yeah, 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 yeah. I think, yeah. But I, I like him even more than Kane. Oh and yeah. 
You know, it, to James me, King, yeah. it's more comfortable yeah. reading yeah. and much more day-to-day -day wonderful writing. Yeah. You know? the, they made the, the, the movie with uh, Paul Newman. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of them. Right. It's called Archer in those, but like... It's Harper. Harper or Archer. Yeah, Archer Harper. is the real... Yeah. Lou Archer is the... Is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is Ross McDonald's hero. Right. It's Harper in the movies. Yeah. Those yeah. aren't bad. Yeah. It, or the other guy, the... What's it? Nero Wolf. Um, right. It's Nero um, Wolf. Um, I can't think of his character. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I know what he's talking yeah, about. Yeah, I, I, had, I had a time where like I just burn through all that all yeah yeah because yeah. once you start reading we get the, the one i haven't read as much as i should is donald westlake was another really good one yeah um, as i mean he had a bunch of pseudonyms like richard stark is the most famous right one. right i have a couple of his books Those and are, i read yeah one or two of them and you know funny i would like to read more but it's one of those things i'd like to read like six of them at yeah. once, you know. Yeah, Richard, the Richard Stark books were all reissued. Yeah. And it's actually the guy that signed me to my first book contract at the University of Chicago, Levi uh. Stahl. I don't know if you ever met that guy. No. He's a huge fanatic for Donald Westlake. Uh. He He's partly responsible for them being wow. reissued and stuff. And he put out, he also edited this great uh, book of Donald Westlake, like essays and nonfiction non-fiction stuff oh okay. it's called the getaway car it wow. you ever find that it's really really good and it's just him talking about like the business of like what he had to do and he was like one of these guys that like he was on deadline all the time yeah. and he got into making he wrote screenplays i think he he wrote the grifters screenplay mm -hmm. the movie yeah he wrote a bunch of screenplays wow uh but he was just like a work it was back when like the other... he was being paid by the work like he had to he had to crank it out, you know, like... <laughs> Charles Burnett, I liked a lot, too. He wrote um, uh, Asphalt Jungle and mm. all those sort of books. Yes. He was really just a contract writer. Yeah. And just would crank this stuff yeah, out. Yeah, Some of them were, yeah, so pop... Uh, or, yeah, or what, Jim Thompson, of course. Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah, I, I went through all Charles Wolford. Yeah, yeah all, all these guys like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's so many of them. The ones that they made all well, the movies. Well, that's what part of why I had that friendship with Bill Horberg, because he produced their movies. You right. know, he knew all that's these people, too. and he was always into all these books and stuff. Yeah. So. Well, cool. I, I look forward to see this people in the know what it, yeah, what it, yeah. what it ends up as. <laughs> It'll be fun to see. Yeah, I think it's it's going to be a good project to go forward with. And, um, you know, I think there's enough material there. And that's still more to come, obviously. Yeah, so, yeah you're still writing them, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So That's great. That's so it's always exciting. to Facebook and to Dan. I would make a copy and send to Dan. Oh, really? So oh, he, you post him on, on Facebook? Yeah, and oh, then okay. so it was like a daily writing for me, which was nice. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So for a couple of years, it was almost daily. Mm. And then uh, oh, okay. I started to cut back at some point. And there are a lot of veiled about somebody we know. <laughs> right, <well>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, but and, it's, yeah, it's like talking about those people as we learned through the Trump administration is just free publicity. Yeah. So talking well, about it, 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 it no also how negative it gets, they win. They always win. And it's <laughs> it gives you that avenue yeah. to just sort of 
blow it up a little bit. Oh, know, sure. It's like, well, as you know, I, I, I did my share of that yeah. in, my, in a different, different format, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, but I also see Leo, you know, he, it's, it's a real homage to my uncle, great uncle. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's, there, there are people that I have in my head when I write it. And mm. yes. he's, he's that guy, you know. That's and, cool. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, anyone that at 41 enlists in World War II to find relatives. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is, this is a guy that uh, was a sweetheart. Well, that's life. like that. This, you know, the story of uh, Antoine de Saint Exupery. Right, right. He, he he moved to America and he was safe. He's a middle aged man. Yeah, he went on a fucking plane back, to, back yeah. to, because he was disgusted by his countrymen who gave in to the Nazis, and he died yeah, try, trying flying. to like, yeah. flying because he was too old. Yeah, yeah. But he just couldn't help himself. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy. To, like I saw, watched it. I didn't realize that the little prince didn't even come out. What? While he was alive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my uncle, my uncle fought for a year and a half in Europe. Yeah, you know, it's just like at that age, are you crazy? But you know, so that's what, like that's like in in Leo's DNA. Leo's yeah, story yeah. is part of that. Yeah, yeah. and he was a retired. Uh, first, he was a kosher meat cutter, uh -huh. and then he became a liquor store, packaged liquor store, mm. and. Uh, you know, uh, I think I've told you different stories about him, but the best one was I was dumped in his liquor store on Saturday and Sundays mm. when my dad would deliver liquor after yeah. teaching Hebrew school. Yeah. And I'd sit with his two cronies and play Pinochle. <laughs> and they would bet Pinochle, yeah. you know, with the ball game on and the yeah. whole thing. And I had the clip on tie hanging down and all that and they put me on a a case as a beer and I'd be sitting there playing at the table and <laughs> was uh, the clip on tie from Hebrew school or this was after Hebrew school that's well, why you, I mean that's why you had the clip on the tie yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. and uh, uh, they would I would bet with lifesavers <laughs> rather than money yeah and they were all smoking so they yeah. give me those pretzel rods that was my cigar. Oh, wow. And so, <laughs> and for my ninth or tenth birthday, I still have the magazine. Yeah. They gave me a baseball magazine. And mm. he had delivered to baseball players and local yeah. players and all that. And uh, it was completely autographed. Every That's picture right. had an yeah. autograph. I was like, I can't. <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, you better put this in plastic and save yeah. it. Don't, yeah. don't play around with it." No. Yeah. So I sealed them plastic. They helped yeah. me tape it up. I took it home. Yeah. And put it in my drawer. Yeah. Eight years later, I get done with college and yeah. come home, and my mom's like, "You're gonna have to pack this shit up and move it somewhere. We're gonna turn your room into an office." Mm-hmm. So I'm going through it. Oh, here's that magazine. Yeah. So I open it up. Every third picture has the same handwriting. Really? Oh, they wow. They sat around. Sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, going, they're laughing. Yeah. I know they're laughing. That's right. 
<laughs> but that's who they were. Yeah. That's, I mean, what a gift to give a kid. Yeah. For sure. I think that's an awesome place to stop. Okay, yes. cool. Thanks, Dan. Thank you.